HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market, a dynamic leader in the quality food business, a mission-driven company that aims to set the standards of excellence for food retailers. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here today with Tardon and Liza Journeau of Wild Apple Magazine, which, let's preface at the beginning, is not actually a magazine. No, it's an online journal. It might have been a magazine and still might. We'll talk about that later. But the ambition behind this project is, is very near and dear to your hearts, because between the two of you, there's over a decade of living gluten-free. It's true. <laughs> Way before the curve. You guys are, like, in front of the fad. Yeah, I'm the OG. Yeah. <laughs> OGGF. That's amazing. Oh. Um, but when did that happen? I mean, you, I'm assuming both of you grew up consuming plenty of gluten, processed white breads, etc., like the majority of us. In an Italian-American household, no, no less. Yes, yeah. that's true. I um, discovered that I had celiac disease in 2003, so it's been a little while. Yeah, and when you detected that, I mean, what was what was that initial feeling? How did you know that you might have something wrong? I actually shared an office at Martha Stewart Living with a woman who, while I was sharing an office with her, <laughs> found out that she had a wheat intolerance, and so shortly thereafter, I was having some similar symptoms to her, and I thought... Maybe I have this also, and I started doing some research online and realized that I had a lot of like things on the checklist for celiac disease. So I <laughs> I went to the doctor, and they they told me a bunch of different things they thought I had, not including celiac disease. And so then I went to a different doctor and just asked for a blood test, and 
that came back positive for the antibodies for celiac. So then after that, you get to have an upper GI endoscopy to Ooh, confirm nice. if there's been... You're saying that with such a smile. Oh, yeah. You get some drugs <laughs> yeah. that are pretty serious, so it's fun. But um, they basically confirm that there's been damage to the lining of your intestine. Yeah. And let's, let's say again, celiac disease is a real thing. It's an autoimmune disease. Um, because a lot of the time there's that rift between people that say they're celiac versus gluten intolerant or wheat intolerant. Um, this magazine is for both. This magazine is for people who love food but just don't want to eat gluten. So it's for people who really love to cook and love to go to the farmer's market, who want to spend their weekend foraging for something or just getting a really great recipe and making it and having friends over and like that. Because, Liza, when did that change in your life? I know there was a point where you decided to eliminate gluten from your so-called diet. Yeah, I was having health problems, and I had somebody say to me, you know, give up gluten, and I thought, no way. And then I was just in a lot of pain, so I tried it, and it worked. Yeah. I know, I know in your little bio you say that you miss pretzels and croissants. Of course. Like, you really you can't make... As it stands today, I have not seen a high-quality, gluten-free croissant. Yeah. Maybe it shouldn't exist. Perhaps. Perhaps. It seems, yeah. And and I miss that stuff, but really, very rarely. Yeah. Like, at this point, I, we have it down. And we just eat wonderful food all the time, and nobody notices that there's no gluten. It's only when you come to do a radio show in Roberta's that you, <laughs> you get sad that you can't eat pizza for just a moment. Yeah, just yeah. for a moment. Yeah. It is. But I'm sure you guys have had gluten-free pizzas that have saved yeah. it in a way. But again, you know, it's not the same food that you're looking for if you're trying to be gluten-free. But I want to backtrack to when you two met because Martha Stewart, Martha Stewart Living was mentioned, and you shared an office. Uh, Tara, you as a photographer or photo editor. Um, and Liza, you as a food stylist. Yeah, I think that we maybe we were in the same office, but it wasn't until later that we started working together. Until both of us had left Martha Stewart individually. Yeah. I think I probably... So I was a photo editor at Real Simple, and I was hiring Liza a lot to do food shoots for us there. And so yeah. we sort of met on set that way. Yeah. Let's talk about what food was like maybe five years ago in magazines, I feel like there was much less restriction of, you know, certain allergens, certain diets. And, you know, it was more about entertaining. Because when I first approached, you know, your magazine, Wild Apple, um, I had no idea it was gluten-free. Yes. I, I'm assuming that's something you really are happy to That's accomplish. wonderful. What we hate is the punishment diet, where it's like, I can't have this, and I can't have that. And the whole, like, your life is based on a complaint rather than an enjoyable experience of everything that's bountiful and natural and tastes good. Because a lot of people eat things that are already gluten-free. They just don't know it. Like, if you have dinner, it's chicken and potatoes and some kale, you did it. It's gluten-free, yeah. most likely, you know? So there's a lot that's already going on in people's lives that just doesn't have gluten in it. And I think we're tr just trying to celebrate what's out there and sort of the freedom that you can have regardless. One of the impetus to make the magazine in print form originally um, was just that we both wanted something that was beautiful and current that we didn't have to 
flip through and flag pages after we've read an ingredient list to see that it was gluten-free. So we thought, like, let's compile some great recipes in one place and share this resource with people, which is essentially what we're going to be doing in the online version. Yeah. So let's talk yeah. about that index, that indices of what is gluten-free, because we just said chicken and potatoes. Yeah. I mean, potatoes, proteins, eggs. Yeah. Rice, corn, so polenta. Um, yeah. Millet. Amaranth. Quinoa. Buckwheat. You guys have this rehearsed. I yeah, like we, this. Do, we don't no. actually have we don't have it rehearsed. I'm just remembering things, and she's remembering yeah. things. So, <laughs> and obviously, you know, fruits and vegetables and animal proteins, dairy. There, there's so much to choose from. There's way more to choose from than things that you have to eliminate. Actually, yeah, that's yeah, true. It's funny in, in in my mind too. Initially, I clumped together gluten free and and vegan sometimes for some reason. But I think when you, you hear a term like gluten-free, like you said before, it's sometimes an elimination diet rather than a, oh, I have all these other things. Yeah, and there's something about the sound of the word gluten that's like, gluten, gluten. Yeah. you know, it just it doesn't roll off the tongue and it sounds technical. Yeah. So it also, also sort of automatically sounds like a weird like diet and nutritionist put you on or a nurse or something sort of put you on a diet. Um, but in fact, it's sort of, We've changed it around and we've made it yeah, kind of wonderful. Is, this is the whole sort of excitement for us is that we want to show people this other side of it. So it's sort of like the new way of looking at it. And not that no one has done this before, but it's not it's not as common. Like the more mainstream way of looking at this diet is about taking things away from your life. So we just want to reframe that a bit. Yeah, and let's let's refute the idea of it being a diet too and call it a lifestyle, which right. I know you've mentioned many times in, you know, your press releases, etc. and it is it, it's it's a choice rather than a constriction. Um, and so let's start like loosening that waistband because I've also heard I mean, this is a whole other subject that, you know, being gluten-free doesn't mean losing weight. No. I think a lot of people initially <laughs> think that, oh, gluten-free, that's great for me to you know, get in shape, lose weight. I mean, get in shape's correct, but it's, it's not in a diet in that sense. It's especially yeah. not going to help you if you're buying a lot of processed gluten-free foods and, and replacing things that's in your so diet. That's so true. You know what I've, I've heard from a lot of people who initially are going gluten-free? They're like, it's so expensive. <laughs> and it, it doesn't have to be expensive. It's expensive because they're buying sort of packaged, pre-made things that have a giant gluten-free label on them. And we're not opposed to those things, but for your weekly groceries, instead of buying pasta, maybe you would buy rice and make rice that wasn't sort of like packaged in a pre-packaged, you know, individual plastic pouch. You would cook it from scratch. And that's going to you know, really do great things for your wallet and yeah. your palate. I mean, let's talk more about those ingredients because when you're buying processed food too, um, some have gluten in them that you wouldn't expect, like salad dressings. I was reading the Yahoo food piece that you guys did with the lovely Julia Bainbridge. And yes. It, that one kind of blew my mind more than anything else. In salad dressings, a lot of the time, uh, you'll find hydrolyzed wheat protein. And wheat has gluten, so. Yeah. And also soy sauce. Yeah. Soy sauce will be fermented from wheat often, unless you get a tamari, which is fermented from soy. Um, so you just read labels religiously. That's something that we really drive home with people. And something that I, I feel like I have to remind myself because I'll just be like, oh, I'm, I'm pretty 
pretty sure that potato chip is gluten-free. And, you know, really, if you're dealing with a potato chip that's like a salt and vinegar or a barbecue flavor, there will be some gluten in there often. So you really do have to religiously read labels. And that's a little annoying, but you get used to it. And, and then you really save yourself um, incidents. French fries, ice cream. French fries? French fries are the worst. They make me crazy because you assume it's a potato. Like, how bad could it be? And you're excited because that is something that you could sort of find everywhere that you think would be gluten-free. And I have noticed that people in nice restaurants lately have been flouring their potatoes. Like, I'll ask. Yeah. Not to mention the part where if you have celiac disease... You know, if it's fried in a fryer with other things that contain gluten, they can be like cross-contaminated, the cr- cross-contaminated yeah. <laughs> and that really will have an adverse effect. Yeah. I think it was in another one of the Yahoo food pieces that you guys did about sharing toasters, like even particulates of someone's, you know, glutinous bread versus your gluten-free. And yeah. If you get crumbs of bread that has gluten, like just wheat bread, regular bread... If you have it on a cutting board and you cut it, and then you cut a gluten-free loaf on top of it, and then you get the crumbs stuck to it, and then you have wheat, you, you, there you are. You so know, it's just like kosher almost? you got like two sinks, two dishwashers? <laughs> I got to tell you, it's almost like kosher, but you, you can just be a little bit more careful. Yeah. Um, you don't have to go buy a new dishwasher or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading somewhere that millions, I, I believe even like over two million people in the country, if not more, have celiac disease and even that much more have problems with gluten and the majority of those don't even know they have it so what are those first signs uh what are those instances where is it a rash there's a little something i like to call gastrointestinal distress yeah (laughs) on the radio yeah um yeah a lot of the time you know you'll have different like some people have stomach pain some people have other stomach things um rashes nausea, vomiting, you know, all that fun stuff. But also other things like depression. And because if you have celiac, it affects your immune system. For me, like, my immune system was very down. I was tired all the time. I was getting colds a lot, um, amongst other things. But the symptoms are really different for different people. And some people are asymptomatic. One of the big things for me as well was pretty extreme weight loss. So it just comes from your body not really being able to absorb any of the nutrients because the lining of the intestine has been damaged. I also had a loss of bone density, which was like early um, osteoporosis called osteopenia. I have to tell you that if I had an extreme weight loss situation, I don't know that I would be like, there's a problem. I'd be like, don't I look fabulous? <laughs> like as I age, it's just getting better. Yeah. A totally not healthy attitude. But, you know, I really... I, I don't know that I would have run to the doctor. <laughs> I think there's something like over 300 different symptoms that you might have in, in any sort of combination. Yeah. yeah. So it's like a little murky to know. But, you know, if and you... they overlap a lot with other things like yeah. IBS and um, Crohn's and colitis and stuff. Yeah. But it's if you have an autoimmune disease, often you'll give up gluten. And, you know, people do tend to think of it as a health thing. And if you did stop eating gluten... Like, basically, it could be conceivable that you were giving up carbs, and that apparently helps you lose weight, we've heard. We're not so interested in health and, like, weight loss. Yeah. We're really interested in eating. And if 
you're not hungry by now, especially after hearing about gastrointestinal <laughs> and IBS and all that. We're going to come right back and talk about all the wonderful recipes in Wild Apple. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We'll be right back. program has been brought to you by Whole Foods Market. Are you a locavore? Our Northeast Regional Forager for Whole Foods Market sure is. She spends her time traveling around the New York City metro area sourcing the best new or interesting artisanal and handcrafted local products for our purchasing teams at the local store level. Part of our commitment to our local suppliers includes assisting them with the process of getting their products sold at our stores. Whether it's suggesting packaging designs, pricing, or distribution methods, she's helping some of the area's best new products reach savvy shoppers at Whole Foods Market stores. Today, New York. Tomorrow, the world. For more information, visit WholeFoodsMarket.com. Hey, and welcome back to the food scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Your host, Michael Harlan Turkel, here again with Tara Don and Liza Jeuneau of Wild Apple Magazine slash Recipe Journal, premiering online soon. Yeah, it should be out the end of this month. Very, very, very excited. And when it does come out, I kind of want to put a challenge out there to a lot of people who don't live gluten-free to at least just try it for a month. Because, like we said, it's not just for celiacs. It's not someone, you know, it's not just for someone who has intolerance, but you feel different afterwards and for the most part better Uh, i know i've gone through this i personally have an autoimmune disease and had to do that elimination diet and um probably felt best when i was without gluten but then i also have my vices like beer beer is gluteny beer is gluteny why does it have to be and all the gluten-free beer that i've tried out there and if there are any brewers that want to you know try me on this i just not found like those sorghum ales and they just don't do it for me i have one you can try yeah mm-hmm. which one is it new planet new planet okay mm-hmm. i'll give it a shot but there's six I, different I, types so there's different flavor profiles for each okay might mix and blend my own <laughs> <laughs> but first another shout out to whole foods market for sponsoring the show but let's kind of take this to the supermarket and let's go shopping for some of the recipes that you guys are going to be premiering starting with breakfast Okay. What would you pick up at the supermarket, fill your pantry with, and what would you be making? We love corn tortillas. Um, I think it's important, once again, just to read the ingredients, make sure that it's not like a corn and wheat tortilla, but an all-corn tortilla. And we pretty much can live off of those, especially in the summertime. We love to make an avocado toast where we uh, we take a tortilla and we put it on um, the gas stove and we sort of grill each side and then we put a mashed avocado on there squeeze a little bit of lemon juice and a little bit of olive oil sprinkle some crunchy salt on there and it's amazing 
that's like a great quick done and done i i almost feel like whenever i meet someone who has you know some kind of gluten restrictions i always suggest mexican cuisine anyway like let's go out for mexican is that kind of a fail safe um not always i definitely got glutened in the east village at a mexican restaurant this summer um i think that yeah mexican tends to be good but i think you always want to tell your server that you don't eat gluten because people will put flour on fish before they throw it in the pan you know which is totally reasonable but they can do it without it. Yeah. Yeah, reasonable you, from a cooking standpoint. From a cooking standpoint, it's reasonable. But if you just tell people, they generally are sympathetic and will help you out. And a chef, you know, won't be offended that you have an allergy often, or if an eating restriction. I think with Mexican also um, that you want to be sure it's corn tortilla and you're not getting wheat tortilla. The chips maybe are fried if they're fried in house with oh some God, other that's things. Such good, yeah. Um, but I, I think. You can you can sort of tell when people get it when you're having the conversation with your server and if if they're not getting it you and you can tell you can ask things like well are you sure the fish isn't dredged in flour before it's fried are you sure there's no flour to thicken that sauce those kinds of questions leading questions that will help you get the answers that you need yeah oats and oatmeal is not one that I would have expected to ask about gluten because I've always thought that they were gluten free but you make a bird seed granola Tell me about what's in that and what to watch out for with oats. What to watch out for with oats is is that there's cross-contamination along the processing of oats. So there are like certified gluten-free oats made by a couple of different companies, including Bob's Red Mill. It's really uh, an accessible brand. Um, In the birdseed granola. But, oh, sorry, cross-contamination. Just explain what that is. Cross-contamination is just you know gluten naturally gluten-free things that have been have have been touched by gluten so in the facility where things are processed perhaps or you know in the restaurant kitchen like Liza was talking about before with same cutting boards tools knives things like that being used and sort of transferring the the bits of gluten to the gluten-free food cool thanks thank you and i was gonna add that you beat me to it. Sorry, yeah. Liza's stealing your show. <laughs> Sorry, didn't All mean good. to steal your no, show. Feel free, but I mean that—that that is the whole processing plant because we see that in peanuts, and that's you know a huge thing that even airlines aren't allowing it on. But there's plenty of gluten on those airlines. Is it, is it respiratory too? I mean, can it be? No, no, no. I mean, I don't know that people can have an anaphylactic reaction. Although I might be wrong because I'm not a doctor. But yeah, that's not something I've seen in my. In my reading and experience. Well, let's get back to that granola and all the seeds that are in there. Um, truly, I don't have the recipe in front of me, and I forget everything that there we is, put in there it. There's there millet. Was, there was there millet. buckwheat, um, gluten-free oats, and then uh, spices. Oh, right. Yeah. Cardamom. <laughs> cardamom. Was it like cardamom and cinnamon? There's a little bit of sea salt and honey. Yeah? Yep. And then we just mix that together. And I think we called it the gr- birdseed granola because it had a lot of millet in it. It looks like birdseed. And birdseed has a lot of millet in so it. So there's no lack of texture and flavor and spice. And, you know, it's all in there. Yeah. And again, I want to kind of like re-stress that this isn't a limiting thing. You know, what Wild Apple is trying to show is that there's so much more to this genre of, of food of cooking these days yeah yeah that granola is really good really crunchy a little bit sweet some of the things that we'll launch with as far as recipes go include you know like a grilled chicken paillard with a mustard plum sauce um 
What we have the there? fall fruit cobbler that's coming out. Super excited about that. There's a really delicious uh, cilantro salad dressing, uh, a, a many bean and chervil salad. Oh, yeah. And then the polenta recipe. That's a really nice one, too. Yeah. I actually had that question about beans. I, I was assuming legumes are gluten-free. And yes. whenever you see, like, vegetarian burgers, it's always, like, beans as binders and this and that. Which leads me to a second question is, one, am I right in saying that beans are gluten-free? And yes. two, why are they so often used as a binder, as a gum? Is that something that doesn't naturally exist out in the gluten-free realm? That's a great question. Because gluten is a protein, and what it does is bind things together and create structure as well in baked goods. So um, when you're looking at a burger, that need, if it's a vegan burger and it, you need sort of protein in there, and then you also need to stick all the little vegetable bits together, you can really make a paste out of beans, and then that will hold the whole thing together for sure but not in the same way that gluten does. We, when we're doing gluten-free baking, we really don't like to use the gums. And when I say the gums, anybody who's done gluten-free baking knows it's guar gum and xanthan gum. We use a mixture of psyllium, husk, chia, and flax to sort of imitate that same technique. And it gives us great results. It really does. Well, we still get to use Whole Foods. Yeah. Yeah. Because all those elements, again, like texture and structure, are available to you, just not the mainstream ones. And talk about not mainstream. I had no idea what psyllium is. Oh, yeah. Tell me about psyllium. I, I wish I could tell you a yeah. lot about psyllium. Um, I don't even know how it's, it's spelled. It's P-S-Y-L-I... No, L-L-I-U-M. Yeah. But that there are the ability to use these things as gums, as binders, and, you know, gluten-free baking can exist in, in, in great ways. And yeah, you can get wonderful textures. I think sure. part of that is, is either using a gluten-free sort of AP flour mix that has a mix of flours in it or creating yeah. your own so that there's different flowers that sort of do different things and work together to play sort of like wheat flour. Yeah. So in your pantry, do you have store-bought and your own mixes of gluten-free flowers? Yes. Yes. So tell me what store-bought brands that you enjoy. I'm going off script here. I'm going to say that mine has gum in it, the one that's yeah. in my fridge right now. <laughs> cup for cup. Cup for cup. Yeah. And I think that was a Thomas Keller pastry or chef or cook that developed that recipe. Yes, and I've I have made very thin handmade tagliatelle with this flour. So there this this flour I this is my own thing. This flour you can't really take the Italian out of the time. You can't no. no. I had to see if I could do it. This flour it does great things. It, you can kind of push it pretty far, I think. I like and our recipes um, often use either the King Arthur flour uh, blend, which is a rice-based mix with no gums, or the Trader Joe's blend, which is also a rice-based mix without gums. I make my own mix at home, and I do tend to use the America's Tets Kitchen blend that they came up with, and they came up with it to imitate King Arthur flour. So, um, so I tend to make my own. It's a more it, economical. It is more economical. Solution. Yeah, 
And even though you're making for a sure. big batch, it's like having a five, ten pound bag of AP, you know, yeah. in your yeah. pantry. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because you can use it for ages. Yeah, you can. Yeah, and for everything. Keep on telling me about baking then. I know pancakes. I know waffles. I know cookies. They're, they're all in there. Yeah, we've definitely come up with a whole bunch of cookies. And this fall we'll be coming out with um, some Christmas cookies, which we're super excited about. Um, and our goal is always to make something that is delicious and wonderful that when you taste it, your first thoughts are that it is delicious and wonderful, not that somebody's restricted you in some way. Yeah. <laughs> not, oh, that's good for gluten-free. Yeah. 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 It's like Second we don't want best. a handicap. No. Yeah. No. So who who chooses what? I mean, I'm assuming this is a pretty collaborative project between oh, the yeah. two of you. Yeah. And you, you come from such creative backgrounds, but now you're publishers as well. So what new hats have the two of you had to wear? And how have you, not that you're wearing a ton of hats right now, um, but, and I mean, like physically not wearing like a stack of hats on your head. But what, what things have you two had to work together that you've never had to collaborate on before? Oh, writing and editing? <laughs> that, that simple stuff? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're, it's old hat for us to collaborate on photographs, of course. It's yeah. That we have a major flow going in that, in that department. But I'm sort of going back to my very first freelance job at Martha and then uh, at Morrow Cookbooks after that doing copy editing and, uh, you know, reading the recipe and making sure it makes sense. And um, I think... There's also the whole thing when we were when we were running a Kickstarter campaign to try to launch a print magazine. There was this whole thing around the publishing and like ad sales and how how does this how does this pay for itself? Um, that stuff is not necessarily where our interests lie. So I think we're very excited to sort of get back to focusing on like Saturday night 10 p.m. conversations about what things we want to cook and what goes with what. Yeah. Can, can we talk about Kickstarter really quickly? Which sure. may be a little bit of a sore subject for you. It's not. It's, it's far enough in the past yeah. and we're pursuing sort of a version of that idea anyway. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, fail, it's over. It but, was sort of like, now, well, that was interesting and it helped us get the word out for sure. Yeah. Um, we think the Kickstarter platform is really wonderful for that. And it was like an experiment we tried and something we really went for. And we didn't make our financial goal. And the model for doing the magazine was based on a certain budget. And because we didn't make the budget, we said, okay, well, what are we going to do now? I was looking at that Kickstarter page. And one, you must have been proud as to actually how much you raised if, if there wasn't an end goal in sight. Because we were. That, that was quite an accomplishment. But it's the number of backers. It's like the number of people that commented that blew me away because there were so many people so excited. Not to say that they didn't, you know, give you all goodwill and whatever they, you know, support that they could, but that there's a need for this space. That was the reason why we wanted to do it in the first place. Again, like I was talking about not wanting to have to flag pages in other magazines, but we just felt like it's time for there to be something beautiful around this subject matter that's current, that's on trend in the food as well as the images and design. Yeah. We're, I, we really are super excited to bring what we're bringing this fall to the online space. And I think we both have romantic ideas about books and holding them in your hand and magazines and how you might use them as a resource constantly in your kitchen and they become like an heirloom and 
you know, we love sort of the old beat-up magazine on your kitchen counter that you're still cooking from. But for now, maybe it's like your old beat-up iPad. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I foresee a lot of good things happening out of what you two are doing in the online space, hopefully, inevitably, in the more tactile print space. But however you go about doing it, you know, we're happy you're there. And everyone should jump onto you. WildAppleMagazine.com. Follow you on Twitter. Engage you because this is a community thing. This isn't just two creatives putting out something that everything everyone should follow. But, you know, it, it, it's a collaborative, larger effort of everyone that is seeking a gluten-free lifestyle. Yeah, for sure. We're very excited to share. Excellent. Yeah. Coming soon. WildAppleMagazine.com. Thank you again, Tara and Liza. Thank you. You've been listening to The Food Scene on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm your host, Michael Harlan Jerkel. Hoping to have you back here next Tuesday at 3. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archive programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.